Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be your dog till I die. Yeah. Between the hedges, look at fly. fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fine. fine. Coach, put me in the game. Dang. UGA, yeah, the name. Dang. Yeah, the offense gon' turn up, but the defense gon' win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right. Happy Friday. It is the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Uh, we got a very special show for you. Um, but in case, you, uh, in case you're just now joining us, uh, go catch up on all the past shows uh, anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, uh, Google Play, Spotify, all of the above. Uh, just uh, just go catch up on the show. We have some uh, we have some gems of, of episodes uh, dating back all the way to June, and then uh, early uh, early September when uh, when Israel joined the fray, and then uh, and then up until now. So a lot of great episodes at Believe in Dogs on all social media platforms: Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Most active on Twitter uh, at Coach Burton thirty six on Twitter and joining me. You can find him at Troopstar28, a guy who just got done rinsing the desitant out of his out of his uh, <laughs> child's hair. It's Israel Troop man. What's up? What's going on for all the the listeners out there who have young kids? If your child just mysteriously gets really really quiet, you might want to go and check on them. Uh, we had an incident last night. Um apparently my daughter was scared that she would get a diaper rash in her hair. Um, so she decided to put Destin in her hair and it was everywhere. And, you know, you normally see those videos on TV, um, or, um, on the internet of kids just getting into stuff and, and, um, you know, normally I just giggle at them, but last night was absolutely hilarious when it's your own child that does, you can't even get mad because it's, you want to get mad, but it's just funny just seeing her face just plastered in Destin, uh, diaper rash cream. It's just so much. Um, so you know, I've got you know when when Huck has had uh, his his share of diaper rash before, uh, you know before we got him out of diapers. Um, I know, like when I get it all over my hands, like you you run it underwater and it seems to like congeal to your hand. <laughs> like how was like how was the cleanup process? Oh man, it was it, it was frustrating at first, um, but um, I remembered you know you see the commercials with Dawn. And, you know, they, they take the ducks and, and the animals who've been in oil and stuff, and they, they use Dawn to get it out. So I had the bright idea to use Dawn. Um, and my wife has this super-powered shampoo that she uses. Um, so it was it came out pretty easily. Um, the aftermath of cleaning up off the carpet and stuff was the bad part. But we got everything clean, and um, it, it made for some some very comedic relief. Um, on a, You know, I posted the picture on a Facebook and on Twitter. Um, and, it, and it's absolutely hilarious. I mean, my mom just died laughing. My, my mother-in-law and all of them just died laughing when we sent the picture. So um, it was some great, uh, great relief from everything that's going on in the world right now. But um, just seeing it, you know, firsthand, you know, your own child and not another child is absolutely hilarious. I don't, I don't advise it happen to anybody else, but it was absolutely hilarious watching her uh, just come in. Her hands are up like, I don't know what to do, what happened. <laughs> just that look of concern, like, uh, it just got everywhere. No, um, it's inevitable. Uh, if you are a parent, uh, and, and you have a, a child that's under five or even in my case, a five-year-old, it's inevitable that something is going to be destroyed. Something is going to be spilled all over them. 
Uh, something is going to be uh, driven into the carpet, and they're and if you have a boy, they're probably going to do something that's borderline uh, su- uh, accidental suicide. So, um, <laughs> it's uh, parenting keeps you on your toes. Uh, it makes sure that you're getting plenty of sleep, and uh, and all the above. So, uh, yeah, if if you if you want to see that picture, uh, at Troopstar twenty eight uh, is uh, is the place to go. Uh, again, at Believe in Dogs, if you want to follow our show, but we we get our show off on a, uh, uh, I guess on a sad note. Uh, I, I something just came across my Twitter feed. Uh, if you're a Brave fan, this one stings a little bit. Uh, Hammer and Hank Aaron uh, has passed away at age 86. If you don't know who uh, Hammer and Hank is, uh, he was the home run king for a while until Barry Bonds came along. Um, he made it very exciting uh, in an era where the Braves were absolutely horrendous in an era where they were moving from Milwaukee to Atlanta. Um, he brought kind of that, I guess that spark, that flair and, and a little bit of positivity uh, to the Braves organization. So hammer and Hank will be, uh, will be missed not only within the Braves community, but within the major league baseball community and uh, the community that he grew up in and, and lived in. So I uh, just wanted to offer our condolences as a show and, uh, for Hammer and Hank Aaron. Man, I, I hate to hear my condolences to his family and the Braves organization, you know. Um, you know, I grew up playing baseball. Um, that that was actually my first love. Um, you know, Hank Aaron, um, Jackie Robinson, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., uh, Ken Griffey Sr., and all those guys were guys that I looked up to, especially being an African-American male. Um, in the game of baseball, um, they kind of helped mold and and shape my thoughts of, you know, becoming a major league baseball player at the time when I, when I was playing baseball. So um, it's a huge hit, you know, to, to the league. Um, you know, Hank Aaron has done so much um, for Atlanta. Um, you know, when he played and after he played, you know, all his charity um, events and things that he puts on. So, you know, that's a huge hit um, for, for the Atlanta area and, and for, you know, the game of baseball. So um, my condolences to his family. Um, you know, you never want to hear anything like that, but you, I always remember that they always go on to a better place. Um, you know, I never heard a, a negative thing about Hank Aaron. Um, you know, everybody was always positive and, and the, and the, the support that I've seen, you know, as I'm, you know, go through my Twitter feed as well, just shows you his impact, you know, not just as a baseball player, but, you know, just as a human being, and, you know, so he will, he will terribly be missed. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, so we, uh, we dedicate this show to him, uh, and we're going to uh, we're going to knock it out of the park on his behalf. So, uh, our show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. The conference championships are actually uh, this weekend. If you're looking for a place to bet on any of the sports, go to BetOnline.ag. Is the best and only place to lock it in. Can uh, Can Josh Allen get over get the Bills finally over the hump and back into the Super Bowl? Uh, with an upset over Patrick Mahomes, is Mahomes going to play? Uh, that's the storyline there. Uh, Brady versus Rodgers. Uh, who, who's going to win that one? Do the Buck can the Bucks uh, succeed up in the cold weather? Uh, so um, we'll 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 get more into these predictions. Um, but something to think about: Israel is Green Bay is favored by three at home, and Kansas City is favored by three at home. So two. Uh, three-point lines, two very even matchups. So, so put that in the back of your mind and think about it. We're gonna we're gonna put that on the shelf and come back to it. Um, 
so from game spreads, totals, team player, and coaching props, which there's a lot of game props on uh, on each game. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So uh, Israel, we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get this show off uh, on a basketball note. Uh, Georgia defeated uh, Kentucky sixty three to sixty two um, on Wednesday uh, by a basket by PJ Horn with just over one second. This was only the twenty seventh win by Georgia in the series compared to Kentucky's one hundred and twenty nine victory. So, uh, needless to say, we were due. Um, it's also the first win against the Wildcats since March 7th, 2013. The Dogs are 3-1 and one this season. The game's decided by four points or less. Um, and uh, lots of things went well in this game. Georgia seemed to finally uh, pull together and get some get some things going. So what were your immediate thoughts on this one? Man, I thought that, that like like you just alluded to, I think the, the Dogs came out and played a complete game. Um, you know, the game kind of went back and forth and came down to the very last basket, which which is not ideal. Um, but, you know, it just shows the progress that they've made. Um, I think that they, they've, you know, as, as, as we've seen um, all year, you know, Kentucky's down just a little bit. Um, but, you know, it just shows that, you know, Georgia's working on some things. They're doing a good job and um, – you know, try, trying to become a complete team. Um, I think that was the most complete game that I've seen um, from them all year um, in conference so far. So I'm very, very proud. Um, you know, you wish that that win total against Kentucky was, wasn't as lopsided, but, you know, one, one game's a start, and you never know what might happen after that. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. You know, a win over Kentucky is a win over Kentucky, in, in, in my mind, especially when the series is that lopsided. But one of the things that stood out to me, Israel, was the defense. Uh, Georgia's defense was crucial. Um, they they were able to force Kentucky. They were able to make things very stifling uh, for Kentucky's offense, make things very clunky, very out of sync, very inefficient, however you want to describe it. Uh, they allowed the fewest points and the lowest shooting percentages um, since the conference slate started. So uh, they were just, they finally were able to prevent Kentucky from getting an abundance of easy shots. That's something that uh, in the previous games they were, uh, that was notorious for them, uh, especially against Auburn and Arkansas in uh, those two blowout losses. Uh, they, I mean, Arkansas and, and Auburn were finishing uh, at the rim frequently, and they were, they were hitting a lot of uncontested shots. Uh, they were getting a lot of easy shots, low percentage shots against Kentucky. That wasn't the case. Uh, the field goal percentage was 42, uh, and uh, they were held to 7.7% behind the three-point line. That's one of 13. So, again, just forcing them into uh, bad shots and contesting those shots, I think, was the, was the biggest difference. I think they finally just had communication on defense. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, me and you were um, texting um, uh, back and forth, and, I think the main thing that I noticed, you know, because I went back and watched the game last night amidst the uh, the Destin uh, disaster. Um, <laughs> I went back and watched it, and, and we, we looked to be more physical. Um, you know, I was texting you, um, I think it was Saturday, and I said, we ju- we're just not physical. You know, we're just soft yeah. on the boards, and, and we're soft um, just all around. Defense, you know, um, that, you know, that game against Kentucky just showed me that I guess they either they listened to our podcast, somebody did, because they just showed a little bit more physicality during that game. And, you know, you usually don't think of basketball as a physical sport. You know, it's more of a finesse sport, you know, um, 
you know, kind of tagging off, especially now, you know, it's not like the the eighties and the nineties were, you know, you had Hackershack and, you know, the uh the Jordan the Detroit rules. Pistons, you know, yeah. <laughs> going at it all the time. But, you know, it just showed that, you know, that they became a little bit more physical. And you see what that physicality brings to the game. You know, the game becomes a little bit closer. You know, you have mm-hmm. to control um the boards and control scoring and things like that and play a little bit more physical defense, you know, and you know, most teams don't like that. Most teams want you to back off and, you know, kind of let them do what they do. But it just showed that, you know, we, we can we can go and play we can play with anybody, you know, but we just have to be physical. And I think as long as we're physical, I think we can play with anybody. Yeah, we did better in the we did better on in transition, which is I think something that this team being smaller needs to be able to do. Twenty twenty points off uh off fast break. Uh did better in the paint this this uh this game, forty four points in the paint. Um, and, and capitalize on turnovers a lot better, too. And I guess that uh, correlates with the fast break points. But uh, we were able to force 11 turnovers and get 25 points. Uh, and uh, we were able to also, on the defensive end, uh, prevent Kentucky from taking advantage of, of Georgia's 17 turnovers uh, and, and only allowing Kentucky to have 11 points off of that. So, uh, again, just some things that, uh, that this Georgia team, I think as they find their identity – you're going to see this team probably take advantage of that fast break point stat and try to run a little bit more, and, and I think you're starting to see that. And I think KD Johnson is is somebody that's uh, come in and just kind of provided a spark for this team. And and you, since he's been playing, you know they played better against Ole Miss even though they didn't win. Um, and he had a good debut against Auburn. He was the lone bright spot um, in a blowout, but uh, fi- they were finally able to put everything together. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's all about find, finding your spark. You know, think about football season. You know, when when JT Daniel came in, it was that spark that Georgia needed. You know, and sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes that one player just comes in, and it just brings that spark and brings that morale up um, for your team. You can tell. You know, after getting blown out last couple games um, in conference, you know they're starting to play better. And and I think the 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 win against Kentucky, you know, the excitement that was shown. You know, the guys rushing the court and they're they're excited. You know, and I think that's what Georgia needs. They need that excitement, you know, to kind of propel them through the rest of this year. So uh, I'm, I'm happy for them. You know, that, that was a great game. You know, um, it was great to see, you know, a Tifton native, you know, when put up the game when a shot in P.J. Horn, um, which looked like a disaster for a second there. It looked like the ball was yeah. going to kind of squeak through and he wasn't going to maybe get it. But yeah. um, he held his composure and made the shot at the end, you know. So, um, you know, the, we – we're, we're getting there. We're, get, we're getting closer and closer. There's no need to hit the panic button like we stayed in our last show, um, you know. And, you know, basketball has, has been, you know, growing. You know, it's, it's still in that, you know, rebuilding phase. You know, you come, sometimes you got to break it all the way down to build it right back up, you know. And um, I think that's what that stage we're in. Um, and I think, like, like I said earlier, the more physical we can be um, and – the more dominant we can be on the boards. Cause I mean, we're getting out rebounded left and right, but the last couple of games we've shown that physicality is now leading to more rebounds, more putbacks and things like that. And I think it's just one step at a time. And I think you'll start to re- think we'll start re- to reap the benefits, you know, as the season goes on and into next season, you know, build a little bit of momentum. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, anytime you get that kind of thing, you know, better, you know, more physical, uh, anytime you get your bench, to help you out some, you get more points off the bench with Andrew Garcia having 16 points off the bench, whereas he struggled in, in the previous uh, previous conference games. There, you get uh, you get somebody who has uh, has had a hard time taking care of the ball and Severe Wheeler 
Um, he had a season low uh, two turnovers, which is phenomenal. He also had 12 assists. Um, in this game. So it, it just seems like this team is just more in sync overall. You just look at the stats and it just seems like they, they're, they're more in sync. They're playing better together. They're moving more. It just seemed like watching them um, in this last four game, this, this four game stretch where it started with two, two 30 point blowouts and a, and a loss to Ole Miss. It just seemed like we were just make one pass and everybody just stand around and watch, watch us launch another three and then, let the, mm-hmm. let the other team get the rebound, take it down the floor, get an easy shot, uh, rinse and repeat, and then get down, maybe, and then have a little burst of okay, we're gonna okay, we might come out of this, and then all of a sudden, uh, another like eighteen to two run, and here we are in blowout city, and you know you're tr- just trying to figure out where this game went. So I, I think it's I think it's another uh, you know I think it's a testament to. Just the the patience and the and the slow building of the of the culture. I mean, Georgia's basketball culture was was awful uh, when Tom Crean took over. It just seemed like um, it was just disarray. We didn't we didn't have an identity. We just had a collection of players wearing the same jersey uh, type situation, and and it takes a it takes a little bit of time to to build that. And Georgia's going to get another opportunity on Saturday, which is actually tomorrow, uh, as they welcome the Gators. The four and three Gators, I'd say that's their conference record. Uh, the four and three Gators to to the Steg, um, that'll be a one p.m. tip. Uh, so what what are we thinking about that game? Um, you know what what does Florida bring to the table? How do we match up with the Gators? Um, I hadn't really had a chance to watch the Gators, but just from their from their their history, uh, they they usually come in you know fast paced. Um, they usually have one or two guys that can get it done, um, but and it usually comes down to stopping those guys. Um, but, you know, with, with the big win that we had against Kentucky this week, um, I think we're going to build off that momentum. Um, I think if we come out with the same mindset, you know, like I, and I keep alluding to it, playing physical um, and taking away the things they do well, I think we'll come out, you know, and play well. Now, I'm not saying that we'll win because, you know, we have been known to turn the ball over a lot. But if we can minimize turnovers um, and we can play physical, I think we have a very good chance of winning that basketball game tomorrow night. I mean, tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, I think if we can continue the, this style of play, I mean, you know, when we're seven and zero, when we hold opponents to a, a, a low sh- a low percentage from the field, um, the Gators are seven and zero when they score at least seventy two points. So we got to keep them under that threshold if we want a chance to win. But you know, just the style of play of being more physical on the defensive end and and trying to figure out how to be uh, even, you know, at at undersized, just trying to be better on the boards. But you know, just being able to run and continue to take advantage of getting those fast break points and, and distributing the ball around, getting the ball moving around the perimeter and, and into the paint, uh, passing, passing, passing. I mean, when, when there's, when there's a lot of assists and a lot of passing, uh, it, it seems like not just Georgia's offense, but any offense uh, in basketball seems to, seems to go a little bit better because you can create open shots and you can create looks at the rim. Uh, whereas if you just make one pass, launch a three and, uh, stand around and watch it and, and hope the ball lands in your hands, you know, that's not a good recipe for uh, for success. So I, I think that continuing to, to harp on the fast break, continue to play at a fast pace. I mean, we're we're undersized, so we have to do something atypical. And doing something atypical is like throwing the ball around, passing the ball around, and running. Exactly. Being able to move. I mean, just you can't just make one pass and then decide this guy's going to take the shot and then all right, here we go. We're going to play defense. And like you said, rinse and repeat. You know, you got to move the ball around, especially being undersized. 
you know, you got to find a way to steal a couple points in the paint. And by doing by doing that, you have to move the ball around. You have to get some fast break points, and you have to not turn the ball over. Those are the recipes against teams like the Floridas, who who are going to be very good. Don't let that that record fool you. I mean, they're they're still Florida, um, and their basketball program has has traditionally been very good. So, you know, like you said, just moving the ball around, creating more passes, um, especially when teams come out and play man against us. You know, just a lot of ball movement. You know, an easy basket. You know, not not relying on the three ball, not relying on ball on shots that are that are um, further than six feet. You know what I mean? So just just getting the ball in the paint, moving the ball around, easy, fast break points, and don't turn the ball over are the recipe. Oh, and being physical are the recipe for Georgia for the rest of this year. Absolutely. I mean that that should be. You should see this team continue to get better in in those areas. So uh, one p.m. tip uh, for uh, for the dogs uh, as they host the Gators on Saturday. Now let's let's flip it over to the women. Uh, the women took their second loss uh, in conference uh, yesterday. Last night uh, at South Carolina, South Carolina is rolling. Uh, they are they remain undefeated in the conference. They remain eleven and one overall. Uh, the fourth ranked Gamecocks were victorious, sixty two to fifty, uh, in a game where they just, you know, they they you know Boston and Cooks, uh, the, the duo for the Gamecocks, uh, just kept them rolling. Uh, and so it, it was one of those where just too much uh, for Georgia to handle. South Carolina is a great team, great program. Uh, so I, I think you know, again, not not a not a knock on on this team for uh, for for losing this one. Uh, they you know Cook had Cook and Boston actually had a pair of uh, sixteen point efforts uh, for the Gamecocks yeah. that helped propel them to a victory. So um, what 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 are your thoughts on this one? Man, South Carolina's women's program is absolutely phenomenal. Um, Coach Don Staley's doing a, a great job over there. Um, and you know, for Georgia to, to be competitive against South Carolina is is a big is a big um, accomplishment for them, you know. So I mean, I don't look at this game as all oh, we we can't compete. No, they they competed. You know, most teams aren't even close to um, South Carolina at all. Whenever they play them, I think they almost beat a team like a hundred to like fifteen one time that mm-hmm. I saw this year. So yeah. I mean, they they're really good. They're they're a really good program. So I mean. Um, we're getting we're getting closer um, as a women's program. We're we're playing great great basketball, um, and and we're playing hard. So I mean, this game does not define the rest of the season. And I think if we meet again, you never know what might happen. You know, just just from the effort and everything that I saw from the other night. So, um, you know, from from a from my standpoint, just from watching ladies, you know, just just keep pressing on and keep doing what you do well. And guess what? I mean, you already beat a Tennessee team. That you hadn't beaten what was it, fourteen years? I think it yeah, was something like something that. Like that. So I mean, so that program is obviously doing the right things, you know, and it's just a matter of time before they get a couple more pieces in there to really be good and to really, really compete in the SEC and for a national title. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that I mean, they've been they've been rolling along too. I mean, they've only lost two conference games, uh, one to Mississippi State in, in a tight one, and then obviously uh, South Carolina is beating everybody, so that's not. Uh, that's not something that uh, that you can walk away with and go, man. Well, you know what the what the heck's going on? So um, they're going to look to get back on track. The 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 uh, the women's hoop team is going to look to get back in tra- on track at home um, in the Steg versus Arkansas on Monday. So a little Monday night women's basketball um, on the SEC Network. If you want to check that one out, um, it's a it's a six or a seven p.m. Uh, Eastern time, six p.m. Uh, here in uh, Nashville. Tip. Uh, so it's uh it's gonna be something uh 
you know, Arkansas comes in ranked. They're two and four in conference, so they're struggling in conference play. Um, they've uh, they've lost two out of their last three uh, to A and M and Tennessee. So uh, Arkansas is also looking to get back on track. Uh, they they come in um, off a win against. Actually, they uh, they got smoked. I'm reading this backwards. Um, they've uh, they've lost two of their last three. That was correct, but they lost to Texas A and M uh, in a tight one, and they got smoked uh, by South Carolina, 104 to 82. Um, so both of these teams have lost their last game that they played to South Carolina, um, Georgia by 12, and um, and uh, Arkansas by by way more than that. So looking to get back on track there. So let's. Uh, Israel, let's switch gears to uh, to football. A uh, couple of a uh, couple of things uh, happening in the football world, uh, especially in the defensive backfield. Um, you have four star Tarian Arnold uh, set to make a decision soon, um, and also uh, Georgia is looking for a new defensive backs coach as Warren as Warren Charlton uh, gets his opportunity to be defensive coordinator of the Indiana Hoosiers. So starting with coach Coach Warren. A uh, great opportunity for him uh, to go to a great program and a great coach, a uh, great head coach in uh, Tom Allen. Gets his chance to coordinate a defense. Man, I'm happy for him. I, I, I'm ecstatic for him, you know, and just, just watching Indiana. You know, Indiana is pretty much known as a, as a basketball school. And watching what, what their head coach has done with that program and watching the way that those kids, I mean, I, I wouldn't say kids, but those players, you know, just love their head coach makes me want to go coach for that guy. So that that's a great opportunity for him. Um, I mean that that would be hard to turn down, especially when you see how much they love love their head coach. I mean, he has done a phenomenal job at Indiana. You know, Indiana should have been playing for the Big Ten championship. You know, so I mean that just shows you just how good and just how up and coming Indiana's doing. So you know, um, you know to get you know uh, a job like that to be a defensive coordinator. I mean, you can't turn that down. You you just can't. And um, you know, congratulations to him. And and I'm and I know that. I've I've heard it was going on, but Will Muschamp's been in and out of the butts and things like that, you know. And I don't I don't spread rumors, but that's just that's just what I what I've been reading, what I've been seeing. Um, but you know that that Kirby Smart has a wild card in, in in his back pocket, and he's ready to pull it uh, whenever he finds the guy that he wants um, to be on staff. So um, you know, with Coach Lanning coming back, um, you know it. it it only makes you have to replace a position coach because we was almost about re- to replace a defensive coordinator and a position coach. Um, so, um, you know, we, we're going to be fine. Um, everybody's kind of up in arms about it, but you know, it's football, you know, you have to do, you know, what, what's best for you. The kids are doing it. Coaches do it all the time. So um, congratulations coach. And I hope you do well uh, for Indiana. Absolutely. Represent that G well and then obviously uh, become the best Hoosier you can be. Uh, one of the candidates I just read about, I'm on Football Scoop, is Glenn Ford. Uh, he's chairman and CEO of the I Dare You Academy in Atlanta. Um, very sought after. Uh, uh, has a lot of former NFL player or not former, uh, current NFL players as former clients, including Minka Fitzpatrick and A.J. Terrell. Um, so Glenn Ford comes in. I, I think you know, on the on the Will Muschamp thing, and I think he wants, and I think he said and made uh, made this uh, public that he wants to take a year off from from on field mm-hmm. coaching. He's getting a ton of money uh, from South oh, yeah. Carolina, and I, I think as long as he uh, figures out how to, uh, you know, 
he mit, I guess mitigates the terms of the of the buyout, which I, I think he's supposed to look for a job and uh, you know, I think his name was brought up in some defensive coordinator jobs, but I think he interviewed and just said, Hey, I'm you know, I'm just interviewing just so I can get my buyout. I guarantee <laughs> that's what he said. But um, it's looking like he's gonna become uh, officially uh, an analyst at the University of Georgia here pretty soon. So um, I, I think would, that's I a mean, great job. Uh, we got Buster yeah. Faulkner who who is a who's a he was an analyst there. Yeah, he's um, right a he's now, a QC. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's quality control. Uh, Buster is. Uh, but yeah, they have a lot of different. Uh, they have a lot of great uh, analysts as well. There's a there there's a difference. I didn't even realize there was a difference. I thought they all kind of did the same thing. Yeah, the analysts like they break down way more film than quality quality control. Like they run the scout teams. They uh, yeah, quality gotcha, con- gotcha. okay. And I think quality control is, has uh, some game day responsibilities that they're allowed to have uh, that analysts aren't. So I think the analysts are up in the booth. They're mm-hmm. doing all the statistical stuff. And then the quality control guys are, are like the the liaisons of like, um, you know, they're, they're managing the scout team. Like Buster was the li- – like Coach Monken was up in the up in the booth and uh, Buster would be the first one that, that the quarterback would come off the field to. Um, and they I got gotcha. you. Okay. Okay. So, I kind of lumped them all together. I mean, if yeah. I'm if I'm Will Muschamp, I mean, I'm, I'm chilling. I mean, I I, I would yeah. do that. You know, I, I get yeah. to sit in the office and I still get to be around football, but I don't have to worry about the day to day like stressor of football. Get paid a million dollars every other month. Shoot, I do that yeah. all day. And let's be honest, they're all coaching inside. They're just not coaching on the practice field. That's a, mm-hmm. you know, Let's be honest. I mean, their job titles are different. Their some of their responsibilities and what they're allowed to do is different, and that's what makes them different. But yeah, I mean, you're right; they're the same. But um, so yeah, analyst and quality control guys. So, uh, but yeah, that's uh, you know, there's a lot of names that that have come up for the Georgia defensive backs coach. Uh, I, I think that uh, they will pick the uh, pick the right guy, and uh, I'm not I'm not worried about it. Um, it's just getting the guy in for uh, for recruiting. So. Um, Tyrion Arnold, uh, he has a. I mean, I, I think I think we have just as good of a shot as anybody at getting them. Uh, we have an immediate need uh, at the safety position. Uh, he can come in and, and make an immediate impact uh, for the dogs in the secondary. Uh, I think uh, Florida, the place he was originally committed to, I think they still have a they still have a great chance. I think now that Dan Mullen has settled. Um, he has a chance to go in there and, and play right oh, away. Uh, I think those are the two that are that are the leader. I think Bama's third in this. Uh, there's three contenders. I think I think Georgia has the best chance, uh, followed by Florida and Alabama. There was a reason he decommitted from Florida. So most definitely, because I mean, right now, especially right now, if, if I'm him, I'm looking at I'm looking for a chance to play right now. Georgia's a chance to play right now. You know, so that, and that's what kids want. Kids want immediate, immediate satisfaction. That is it. Right now, you get to come in, you get to compete for a job today as soon as you step on campus. You know, so yep. if I'm him and I'm, re- and I'm ready to play and I think I can play, then I'm going to Georgia, you know. But, you know, like you said, Florida does have, have a hand in this as well. Um, you know, Wesley McGriff, who is also a Tiff County alum, um, ha- has joined the staff. And, you know, that Wesley, he's a great coach now. Um, yeah. yeah, I know he, he'll be working with the secondary as well. Um, and if he has his take on, I think he's going to be in his ear too, saying, I know you want to come play for me. Um, and I just read before me and you started talking that they just, uh, that Dad Mullen just made a decision on another secondary coach. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I didn't get to re- finish reading it, but um, so 
Um, I think he's trying to get the right pieces in there um, to kind of uh, help out um, Coach Grantham. Um, but he's also going to have to make a linebacker decision because Christian Robinson is now going to Michigan. You know, that, so that's so popular. That's a lot going on now. I mean, it yeah. is it is spiraling um, at Florida right now, but in a positive way. You know, he's getting some great coaches in. He's losing, you know, coaches to not just poo-poo schools. You know, Michigan is still Michigan. You know, that is still a top-notch job. Um, and also, congratulations to my former teammate, Christian Robinson, um, on, on um, his new job um, for the Michigan Wolverines. So, I mean, this is the, the coaching carousel is still spinning. Um, and it's still it's still plenty of time um, to get everything done before spring practices. The only bad thing is signing day is in a week and a half. You know, so that's the only bad thing about when coaches leave. You know, coaches start building when they're recruiting. They start building relationships with these kids, and that's what they. That's essentially why kids go to the school. They love their position coach, and then you know they like the school after that. You know, so um, that that's the downside to it. But the plus side, you can get another guy in who can hopefully come in and recruit just as well, and then you keep that commitment or you gain a couple more after that. Yeah, no doubt. And the, the guy you were thinking of, uh, is his name is Jules Monitar, or Montanar from uh, South Florida. He's going to coach the corners. So Jules Montanar. So um, now we're going to get into some of these SEC coaching uh coaching things, the mess up at Tennessee. But before we do that, we're going to take a, we're going to take a break. I want to tell you about our, uh, one of our newest sponsors, uh, Kansas city stakes. So with the new year comes tons of new big games and sports with big games. You need big stakes. Kansas city stakes has the cuts that you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day to save up to $25 on combos perfect for game day. Plus, get free shipping with the code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, at checkout. So, Israel, this sounds extremely enticing. Try out the snack pack combo. So this is this is what they're considering the snack pack. So featuring small plates with big flavor, the mini beef Wellington steak burger sliders. Oh. Sign me up. Mac and cheese melts. Okay. I'm still in the boat. And shrimp wrapped in bacon. That is that is a snack pack combo right there. Oh, I'm in, oh, I'm in there. Sign me yeah, up right now. I'm sign in sign me up. And Kansas City Steaks, uh, if you want to send us a little care package, by all means, <laughs> uh, I'll uh, contact me and contact Israel um, at Coach Burton 36 at Troopstar28. We'll give you our – sure. We'll give you our address. You can send us uh, – you know, you can send us an order because it'll be flash frozen. It's delivered directly to your home, satisfaction guaranteed, or your money back. Basically, every cut of steak imaginable, plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue, and so much more. Again, go to KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day. Use the code believe that's B-L-E-A-V, at checkout for free shipping. What is that, Israel? How much does the shipping cost if you put believe in as a promo code? Uh, they said it's free. Free. That's right. If it's free, it's for me. So Kansas City Steaks, big games, big taste. All right. So that's uh, that's uh, that's our sponsor. We also have one, Just Live. Uh, it's uh, so I want you. This is going to be a, a clip that you listen to. So uh, enjoy this one. And when we come back, we will talk SEC football.
All right, welcome back. Uh, hope you enjoyed our sponsors. Uh, hope you. I hope some steaks are coming my way. I need a big, uh, big tomahawk ribeye. I got my new Traeger grill. Would love to uh, to test out the tomahawk ribeye. I did some ribs on it the other night, or the actually not the other night, the other day. I smoked them. I uh, smoked them for like four hours, or no, three hours, and then finished it off on the on the gas grill because I, I was starting to get up against the uh, Huck's bedtime as far as being able to eat. So I finished it off on the grill, got got that nice little sear and crust on, on there, but I I, I slow cooked it for uh, for for an entire afternoon. So that was that was good. I'm I got another rack of ribs that I'm going to try and 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 uh, maybe try to finish it off. Um, in the Traeger. So hopefully Kansas city steaks will, uh, will send us some stuff too as well. Um, so I I, I'm excited about that. You know, who else is excited about, uh, Kansas city steaks is uh Tennessee because it takes oh, the attention boy. off their McDonald's debacle. So, uh, oh, man, <laughs> in, in case you haven't, um, in case you've been stuck in Bernie memes, um, before there were, uh, before Bernie, uh, there were, uh, Tennessee McDonald's memes, uh, all over the place, um, you know Tennessee football. I'm loving it. Uh, they uh, they fired Jeremy Pruitt and nine other football staffers, and also uh, AD Phil Fulmer is quote retiring. Yeah, right. Uh, and yeah. amongst major, and the chancellor said level one NCAA recruiting violations. So, um, lots of mess going on in Tennessee. There, they're in they're in, in another coaching search. They were in an AD search until yesterday. They hired AD uh, Danny White from Central Florida, uh, who also has connections and ties to the University of Buffalo, where they and he was the one that hired Lance Leopold, who sits there now. Um, and and then the ever changing uh, MAC champion. That's a that's a league that has a rotating champion just about every year, which that's true parity uh, in, in a conference. Uh, Lance Leopold has done a tremendous job up at Buffalo. You have to think he's a candidate. You have to think Josh Heupel is a candidate off uh, off the, the immediate uh, reaction of this AD hire. But uh, the mess that is Tennessee, there are going to be sanctions uh, on this program. There's probably going to be show causes attached to all of these staffers. Uh, I don't know how it works for off-the-field staffers, but the, the on-the-field coaches, they'll have sl- show, show cause slapped on them. So, Israel, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think of the situation, and uh, how difficult is it going to be to actually find a coach? Man, I didn't know that they, they fired a total of – is it a total of nine or nine besides the three that I knew about? Uh, it was like – there was, I think they enti- they fired their entire recruiting staff and like a like oh a couple of analysts. God. So that was like I, five people, plus I think two analysts, and then the two on the field coaches. And Pruitt. oh my god, I, that's I, including I can't Pruitt. Believe, yeah. I can't believe that nobody just did. Nobody, nobody did anything about it. You know, it's it's obviously been going on for a while. Um, and all and all the reports that I've read, it, it came from an inside source. Which tells me this, which means that somebody got a Happy Meal instead of some money in their McDonald's bag, and they are not happy about it. Yep. So, I mean, if, if you're going to do dirt, at least be smart about it. You shouldn't do it anyway, but if you're going to do it, be smart about it. Um, right. And apparently from every coach that, that I've, that I've um, been looking at and been reading about, they knew that this was coming. You know, um, Coach Stoops even said it was just a matter of time before it all came out. And when it came out, it's like, wow. Like they are now literally the eyesore of the SEC. It has mm-hmm. now taken all the pressure off of what LSU was doing. It makes what LSU was doing 
small potatoes compared to what Tennessee was doing. No doubt. And then now, now, okay, you bring in Coach Steele as interim, okay? Yep. Thinking that he was going to potentially take over Jeremy Pruitt, which that has come out as well, that that's, that was the plan. But now that all this has come out, the new ADs in there now, because Philip Fulmer mysteriously just decided that I'm just going to retire. Okay, we can all see the writing on the wall on that one. Yeah. Um, you bring in Danny White, who says we want an offensive-minded head coach now. Uh-huh. So now the whole plan of Tennessee, which means that this came from everywhere. This didn't just magically happen. They had a plan in mind, and their plan has now backfired of how they were going to get rid of Jeremy Pruitt. Yep. And then now Danny White comes in. He says, you know what? No, forget that. We're going to change everything. But now you got to think about the kids. I mean, who's going to turn down a McDonald's bag full of money? No, no kid. No kid is going to do that. No adult is going to do that. No. So you can't get mad at the kids. So now no. you look at the mindset and the standard of the school and yep. the people that are around it and the people who knew and didn't say anything about it. Not not only are they guilty, not only are the people who gave out the money guilty, but the people who knew and were a part of that are guilty, are just as much guilty, if not more, than they are. Because now you didn't, you weren't worried about the the school itself. And now, now you're just being selfish. You know what I mean? And everything eventually comes to light because people get mad and people will tell on you. And that's what happened. I'm pretty sure they probably pissed off the wrong person. And then guess what happened? Boom, there it is. And not only that, they can prove all of it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's right there. And and I, I don't, God almighty. It, they, they, you know, and, and that's not to say that not, you know, that's not to say that they're the only ones doing this because. Oh, no. By no means are they the only school, but they're just the only school that was dumb enough to get caught in the way in the manner in which they got caught. They were very brazen, very cavalier about it, very sloppy, like kind of like what SMU was. Like SMU just got to the point where they were just like, yeah, I don't care. If people know they're not going to do anything, and bam, all of a sudden they do something. And mm-hmm. and I don't I don't know that the NCAA would have acted that quickly. Um, had it not been for Tennessee launching their own internal investigation, like their whole plot to get rid of Jeremy Pruitt is now, um, has now completely backfired and, and the entire university has been, uh, screwed because they wanted to get rid of their coach without a buyout. And all they had to do was just fire him, um, yeah, and pay, pay his buyout, just fire him, pay his buyout. And probably none of this happens. As much land and as much stuff that goes on in Tennessee, I'm sure, as much whiskey that is being produced in Tennessee, I'm sure that somebody could have paid that buyout and it would have been nothing. Nothing would have been would have happened. I mean, Even yeah, the, the people who the people who were giving out the McDonald's bag could have paid the buyout. The Haslam's who have the uh, the pilot truck stop chain, uh, they definitely could have. They could have just and you know one Haslam owns the Browns and the other Haslam runs the pilot stuff, so. Um, I think between the two of them, they probably could have pulled together sixteen million out of each other's socks and and paid Jeremy Pruitt his buyout to to just go on his merry way. This whole notion of we don't have we can't afford to pay his buyout is just completely bogus to me. When when a team now they're saying money is no option for their new coach, money is yeah. no option. Money would have been no option either way. 
Yeah, now, South Carolina and Auburn, so that money was no option in getting a new coach. So you're telling me that Tennessee, who is better than both of those, in my opinion, they are as, um, historically, are better than those two schools. They don't have enough money to buy out their head coach. Come on now. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, if you're Josh Heupel, are you coming? I'm not touching it. I'm not. I, I, I can't. I, I mean, well, it depends because now, you know, you got kids who are now opting out. Kids are, who were committed aren't, are, are decommitting now. Kids who signed a letter of intent, you know, with the early signing day are now saying, no, I don't want to go there. You know, so you got all those things that, that are now in play. And as a coach, you got to look at what, what's going on. You know, your, your starting tackle slash guard and, and YM Morris is now gone. He entered the transfer portal. You know, so you're, you're depleted a little bit at, at the offensive line position. Um, you don't know who your defensive coordinator is going to be. You know, you don't know who you're – you just don't know. You know, and unless, you know, Danny White can come in and sell it, being like, hey, this is what we're going to do and this like that. And now it also becomes a point of can you trust anybody there? You know, because if all this is going on, do you, do you really trust the people who are, who are around there? Who, who I would have a hard time. I'd have a hard time. You know, um, so that that just puts that much more pressure on Tennessee to try to right this wrong in which they could have done after the season and just fired Jeremy Pruitt and just call it a day instead yeah. of trying to backdoor him and being like, oh, we're just going to hire, you know, Kevin Steele and see what happens. No, 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 buddy. Oh, yeah. No, that – yeah, yeah. everybody saw through that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, and then it's Philip Fulmer just leaves. He retires. After all that came out, he just magically retires. Come on, All now. of a sudden, I'm not the long-term option here at Tennessee. Uh, we're gonna. I want to hire a new coach with a new AD, so that the new AD and the new coach can be together for ten years. That's yeah, what he right. said in his press now. conference. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, get out of yeah. here. Cool. Yeah. Great. You you ruined the you ruined the program, Fulmer. Uh, again. And you knew it. And you and, knew it. And he knew it. And there's no way he. I mean, he gets off scot free on this. Um, obviously, he just is forced into retirement, uh, but no penalties or no scarring on his name. Uh, it's all on Pruitt. It's not all on Pruitt, but officially it is. So uh, Tony Elliott, okay, if you're if you're a current head coach, there's no way you touch this job. But if you're a coordinator and you're Tony yeah. Elliott, right, and you know Kevin Steele, right, you know the AD, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you have some th- – th- there's, some, there's some ties there somewhere – do you take this job? I think if I'm Tony Elliott, I take it. But only if I can bring in who I want and there and there's a trust factor that must go on. Those people who are giving out the bunny and stuff in the McDonald's bag and stuff, they got to go. I mean, they can still be boosters or whatever they did, but they can't be around the program the way that they were. All the people who are, who are that close, they got to go. Like you, you can't, there's no if, ands, or buts. You cannot be around the program at the capacity of which you were. I have to get people around me that I can trust. I have to build trust amongst the student body, the school, um, my, forget all of them, the players for that matter. You know what I mean? So the, player, the players are the ones that are suffering through this whole entire deal. You know, coaches can always go out and find a new job. But these players are, you know, the transfer portal is great, but these players are pretty much invested in this university and this football team. So you have to bring somebody in here that is going to re-put, bring the morale back 
and put these guys first. And then, you know, you take care of the other stuff. But the first thing, if I'm Tony Elliott, and if I, if he does, you know, I don't know who's going to take it, but if he did take it, I'm getting people around me that I can trust 100%. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, it's uh, it's crazy. Uh, this, so as this saga unfolds, uh, they say they have somebody ready to go, which I, I think they, they seem to think that Elliott's on board. So uh, the next time we talk to you, we'll probably be giving you an update on this Tennessee situation because um, even though it's not Georgia football, it does have a direct impact on uh, the University of Georgia because they are SEC East rivals. Uh, now, before we go, i got a couple of things to talk about. The situation in in, uh, in Baton Rouge and New Orleans uh, is Head scratching to me because you have a guy that is a defensive line coach uh, in the NFL for the Saints has a chance to become a defensive coordinator down the road at LSU. The Saints block it, and now there's some sort of point of contention, or there has been, uh, between Sean Payton and Ed Orgeron. So you have a toxic relationship with your uh, with your close by NFL franchise, which is putting fans at odds and forcing fans because the Saints and and LSU share fans it's forcing them to choose so this is causing a divide Uh, there's been they've had a mess of a season at LSU with with an NCAA investigation where does it end for Ed Orgeron man I don't I don't know (laughs) I mean there's a lot going on down there I mean with with everything that happened with them in the middle of the season this year and, and this ordeal that's happening now, um, I mean, Sean, Sean's a, a staple in New Orleans. And, I mean, he, he'll get what he wants before, before you will. Exactly. Um, so, um, man, I, I, don't, I don't know where you go from here. Because, um, I mean, NFL coaches can block interviews left and right. Um, from what I understand, I think colleges can do it too, right? They can block an interview if somebody's interested. They can. It's not as easy, but they can. Yeah. So I mean, it's it, it's a tough deal. I'm, and I, I completely understand. You know, you're trying to get the best guys in. You know, to, to help your program and and uh, to to develop your players. But I mean, you know, Sean Payton is Sean Payton. He is New Orleans. You know, just yeah. like Drew Brees. Drew Brees was New Orleans. Um, so. Um, I think he'll get his way before Ed Orderon even remotely can sniff anything. Yep, I, I think so too. And and the uh, the fact that he's made a mess with so many of these hires, I think he's on thin ice. Um, and I, I think it's you know the clock is ticking for Ed Orderon, and, and that seems crazy to say that because they're coming off of a uh, national championship the year before last. So I don't know. I uh, just thought I'd bring that one up. Uh, so, so keep your eyes there in, uh, in uh, Tigerland. Uh, they did a good job with their offensive coordinator, I thought. But they did, uh, they did. And and but messing with the Saints is not something you want to you want to get in the habit of doing because they run Louisiana. Uh, it's not exactly. LSU. The Saints run uh, Louisiana, not the Pelicans, not the not the Bayou Bengals. Certainly, <laughs> certainly not the Raging Cajuns of the University of Louisiana. Uh, but it is the New Orleans Saints. So uh, before we go, I told you to gather your thoughts, to collect your thoughts, jot down in your little marble notebook with your number two pencil. Uh, we're going to make some picks. The NFL uh, Conference Championships are this weekend. Uh, starting off uh, Sunday uh, is the Bucks at Green Bay. Snow is expected. Uh, that's not going to deter Tom Brady, but that might deter some of the other Buccaneer players. Uh, Green Bay is three point favorites. How do you see this one? Um, 
you know, you, you got you're playing against quote unquote the goat Tom Brady. Um, I like Tom Brady. Uh, I'm not I'm not a Tom Brady fan as some people are, um, but I do like him. But I also really really like Aaron Rodgers, um, and, and the way that he plays, especially when they're at home. Um, you know, anytime they're at Lambeau, I mean, he's lights out at Lambeau, um, and the weapons he has on offense and the way that defense is playing right now. Um, I, I think I, I'm going with Green Bay on this one, um, especially since it's at home. Um, and, you know, they're, they're going into the cold. You know, they play in the Dome against New Orleans, um, and they're going up there in Green Bay in Wisconsin when it's really frigid, cold, it, it might snow, you know. So, you know, you, you like to think that that doesn't impact the game um, as far as far as a player go. But in a player mindset, you know, you come from – you know, it's a little bit rainy down here in South Georgia, which means it's sunny and 75 in Tampa right now to three degrees and snow in, in Wisconsin. You know, that's, that's, that, that puts a different mindset on you. But the one thing that they do have in their favor is that Tom Brady, um, uh, who am I thinking about, uh, Brown, um, and all those guys, they, they've played in the snow and things like that. So that might be um, – might be an advantage for them, but I think for the all-around game, I think I like Green Bay in this one. Yeah, I like Green Bay because their entire team is more assimilated to this uh, to this bad weather, uh, whereas you have just a handful of players that have played in horrible weather cities like Pittsburgh and New England uh, with your quarterback and Antonio Brown. Um, I, I just think that the Packers are going to be more apt to it. If it wasn't going to be snowing, I would say uh, Tampa Bay – uh, has is I would take Tampa Bay plus three if it wasn't snowing, uh, but since it's going to be more than likely snowing, if it was just cold, I'd take Tampa. But th- there's going to be more of an element of that, so I'm taking Green Bay at minus three. And uh, kicking off the evening, uh, a, a great a great matchup here. Buffalo travels to Airhead to take on the Chiefs. Uh, it is assumed that Pat Mahomes is playing. I'm gonna I'm gonna act as if he is. Uh, they are minus three. They are three-point favorites at home against the Bills. The Bills come in very formidable. They've won uh, their previous two playoff games in very different fashions. Uh, they're a team that's very diverse. They are in their attack. They're very, you know, they're very multiple uh, defensively. They're incredible. This will be the best defensive team Kansas City's faced all year. Um, and they've had fits. I mean, they had fits with the Atlanta Falcons, who actually played good defense down the stretch under Raheem Morris. Uh, so I'm taking Buffalo plus three. I, I think that if, even if they don't win, they will at least cover. Uh, but I'm taking, I'm taking Buffalo in, in the upset here. Ooh, you, you're making me think a little bit, but I'm going to have to go with, with the chiefs on this one. Well, take that back. Let me tell you this, this part of it. If Patrick Mahomes plays the chiefs win point blank period, I think that they just have too much firepower in the way that he runs that offense. Um, will give them the uh, the edge they need to win the football game outright. Now, if he doesn't play, I will take the Bills because I mean Josh Allen is absolutely ridiculous. I I love the way that that he runs that offense. You know, the good thing about the Bills they can beat you forty. They can score forty four, or like last week they score seventeen and play good defense. You know, so it it really just depends on on the way that the, that the game comes out. Um, you know, I I just. I just think that with, with Patrick Mahomes back there um, as a signal caller, um, if he's able to play, I think the Chiefs can just overwhelm them, um, overwhelm the Bills a little bit too much. But, I mean, the, the Bills the Bills are really good. So, if Patrick Mahomes plays, I'm taking the Chiefs. If they don't, 
then I'm take if he doesn't play, then I'm taking the Bills. This secondary, the Bills secondary is just they're one, they're the best secondary in the in the league, in my opinion. You know, uh, save the Rams. I think the Rams are a really good secondary, but I think Buffalo's better, especially at the corner position. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think they're just you know. This is going to be a matchup where they they have the ability to to heat up Patrick Mahomes, get him on the run, test out his bad toe, and uh, see see you know just see how uh, if he is having any lingering effects from uh, whatever happened on Sunday. If you call it a concussion, I don't know. Um, Jay Glazer actually had a really good uh, description of it, uh, where they he said he got choked out. Um, on his carot- on his carotid artery, so uh, he he went over that. He's an MMA trainer. If you don't know who Jay Glazer is, he's an MMA trainer and an NFL insider. So uh, mm-hmm. he has he he's usually one that has all the great information. Him, Ian Rappaport, and Adam Schefter have all the yeah. good NFL information. So uh, for the sake of um, it's Isaiah McKenzie versus uh, Miko Hardman in this one. Um, <laughs> And uh, I don't know that either of them are going to make a huge impact in this game, but you, you hope that they do. And then, you know, obviously you have uh, in the uh, in the Bucks game. Do we have any dogs in that game? Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure I, we I do somewhere. I think we do, but somewhere we, we have to look at them. Yeah, um, we have to, have to look at that, the rosters. But, yeah, but on that Patrick Mahomes play, I went back and looked at it because, you know, everybody was saying that it was dirty and thing like that. I think it's just the way that he was tackled. I think that he wasn't going in maliciously. I think the way that – because, you know, most quarterbacks now when they get hit, you know, they kind of fold up or take the ball and everything. And I think just the way that he was tackled is what, what caused everything, you know. Yeah, it's just, just an awkward landing, which happens in football. You know, and it, it happens all the time, especially with quarterbacks and stuff, you know, because they're trying to protect themselves and all that yeah. good stuff. So, I think it, I think it was a good play. Um, I don't think anything was dirty about it. So, everybody just calm down. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the way, if it was dirty, he would have like basically uh, did a stone cold stunner on him uh, if, if he wanted to be dirty. I mean, he he just kind of like rode him down and just kind of let go, and Mahomes just landed awkwardly, and it's just a freak thing. So, but Israel, uh, that's gonna do it for us today. A um, lot, a uh, lot of great, a lot of great content here. Uh, we we I think we hit the. Uh, I think we hit the variety of content with uh, Tennessee football, Georgia men's and women's basketball, and, and a little bit of uh, Georgia football mixed in there as well, and some NFL. So uh, any last words before we uh, before we let you go? No, everybody just be safe. Um, uh, wear your mask if needed, um, you know, social distance where, wherever possible. Um, but other than that, you know, hit that subscribe button and get your stakes because stakes. hopefully they send us a couple. Hint, yes. hint. Hint, hint. If you're listening, Kansas City Stakes says a couple. <laughs> so um, that so for Israel, I'm Corey Burton uh, and Israel Troop. Uh, we are the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, and uh, we hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy, uh, hopefully, a dog's win over the Gators, and uh, enjoy those NFL games this weekend. Maybe you'll order a Kansas City Steak. It'll get to you fast, and you can cook it. Uh, take pictures. Let me know how it turns out. Uh, but uh, we are the Georgia Dogs podcast. So long. Have a great weekend and go, dogs. Go, dogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.